Let me start by asking you, how are you holding up? I really mean it. I want to know how you are and I want to be here for you in any way I possibly can. You can connect with me over on Instagram or in Facebook at our group, Love Parenting with Avital. I just want you to know that I know we're all going through a tough time and some of us are going through a really tough time and I'm holding space for you and sending you all the good vibes in the world and I'm just here cheering you on and championing you. You're listening to The Parenting Junkie Show, the place to go to love parenting and to parent from love. I'm your host, Avital. Now, I know there is so much out of our control right now, but today I'm here to remind you of the things that you do control. Now, I don't know about you, but when I feel out of control, I tend to double down on the things that I do control so that I maintain some sense of agency and ownership and authorship in my life and I don't sink in to victim mentality. So no matter what we're going through, there are always some things about the situation that we do control. And today I'm actually going to introduce you to some rock star parents, some CEO, boss, strong, incredible parents just like you and me, real people with real issues, with real challenges, who have decided not to live life by default, not to just give in to victim mentality. They made this decision even before the coronavirus, uh, you know, spread itself throughout the world and changed life as we know it, but they are continuing to make those decisions even now. And making the choices to control the things we do and to focus positively on that can be a lifesaver. It can save us from depression, from anxiety, from giving up hope, and it can be a transformational tool. This week, I had uh, office hours inside of Present Play and I was coaching one of our members there who said that she feels guilty for enjoying this time. She feels guilty that she's not, you know, giving in to the suffering and the depression. And I want to share with you something that I shared with her, which is when there's a car crash on the side of the road, say a terrible accident, our human tendency is to slow down and stop and look and see what's happened because we're curious and because we want to help and because we care and because it's scary and because we have a negativity bias and we're drawn into that information. But the truth is that the helpers, the doctors, the ambulance, the people who are really, you know, first responders and and solving that problem and helping the people um, with the car accident, they don't want us to stop and look. They want us to keep driving, keep going and clear the path. Because if we stop and traffic accumulates, then we're actually adding more problems to an already big problem. That's how I feel about what's going on currently with regards to the virus and with regards to feeling guilty for carrying on with our lives. I think it's our responsibility to keep going and to clear the path. It's our responsibility to take care of ourselves and get ourselves out of there. I mean, unless we're literally the people on the ground, right? Unless we're literally the people who are going and helping and saving lives, then of course we need to stop and do that. And that's where our focus will be. But if the rest of us are home with our kids, right, just trying to manage the day-to-day, trying to manage homeschool, trying to manage our work, trying to manage our household chores, trying to manage our own fears and anxieties and, and uncertainties, 
then that's what we need to do. That's what we need to manage. We need to keep going. It's actually our responsibility not to burden an already burdened system, not to add fuel to that fire, but to remove ourselves from the story and say, I will take care of me so that others don't need to. And in addition to that, we have to ask ourselves, who does our guilt help, right? Who does our guilt help? Who does it serve? People who suffer, people who sacrifice, people who have a really hard time don't get benefit from us suffering too. And the analogy here is just to remember that when someone's drowning, you don't help them by jumping in and drowning also, right? You help them by getting to safety and sending them some kind of rope. And I just bring this as the analogy that us falling into depression or guilt or anxiety and going into drowning in that suffering doesn't actually help the people who are suffering right now. It just adds victims to this story. So I want you to double down on the things that you do control. And if you feel like, oh, I don't control anything. Everything's canceled. Everything's, you know, in recession. Everyone's dying. Everything's awful. It's just a terrible situation. Yeah, all of those things we don't control. That's true. But here's what you do control. You control how you show up to your morning. You control how you organize your time. You control how you organize your home. You control how you choose to direct your focus. You control your words, thoughts, and actions to an extent, right? Of course, all of us get triggered. All of us have slumps. But to an extent, we control these things. We control what we do with our children throughout the day, what we do in our home, what we cook, right? There are a lot of things that we do control, what we wear, how we speak, how we think, what energy and vibe we bring. And so now is the time that so many of us feel out of control. And as parents, we can feel like we're at the mercy of these forces, right, that are beyond us. And that's actually something that we can feel all the time. Now it's just accentuated. So I want to remind you that there is still so much in your control. I want to take this to a really practical level. I want to talk about play because, as you know, that's something that I'm passionate about and I think it is very much in our control. I'm getting messages from parents all over the world many, many times a day, hundreds of times a day, saying, oh, but how can I get my kids to play? My kids don't play. My kids are clingy. I'm in a small apartment. My kids are very different play styles. My kids fight between them. I'm a working parent, so it can't work for me. All of these different things around how we don't have control over it. And I have to tell you, I understand that. I really do. I've been through these, this process with so many thousands of parents. I just get that it can feel like it's not available to us. We can't get our kids to play. For some reason, these rules won't apply to my kid or to my home or whatever. But not to brag, but my four children play independently an average of about six hours a day, sometimes more. Now, the reason I share this with you is because they all have different temperaments. This was true when we lived in a much smaller apartment with no outdoor outdoor spaces. Now we have outdoor space, which we're really grateful for, and more space for our play zones. But we did this in a small apartment as well, and it was no less true. And there's nothing special about my children. Uh, They're very special to me, of course, but there's nothing special about them. They're four very different children of different ages, different temperaments, um, and they all play deeply. Now, I can't make this guarantee about every single child in every situation, but my belief is that just like kids can learn to read, kids can learn to play independently. It's a skill. We just don't value it very much in our culture, unfortunately, which is very, very sad because not only is it a skill that helps us parents by getting a break, especially now, but it's a skill that is so crucial for kids. 
someone posted on one of my videos this week, like, why would I want my kid to pay independently? I get that it gives me a break, but why is that good for them? And I'm like, oh no, don't you know of all the incredible benefits to the children? Like this isn't just about us, although that's reason enough, but it gives children so much when they play independently. It develops their skills, their imagination, their creativity, their sense of self. They go through social and emotional processing and skill development and gross and fine motor skills. And oh, the list just goes on and on. And the research is so rich to back that up. So I guess what I want to tell you is that it is possible for everyone. And we, the parents as the CEOs, this is something that we can control. Just like we can control that we have books in the home and we teach our children reading and literacy and numeracy skills. So too, we can absolutely control that play is part of their repertoire and that play is something that they get to do. And that play is something that they are wildly seduced to do by the way that we've set up our home. And it doesn't have to take any kind of budget. You don't need to put any money on this. I promise you have everything that you need already at home. In fact, you might even be getting rid of some stuff or making money in some garage sale because you might have too much. So I could go on and on about this forever, but instead I'm going to let some people who have already gone through this process and made these changes in their home and reclaimed play in a big way do the talking for me. But first, I have to give you a little bit of an update of what's going on in the parenting junkie world and how we are showing up to serve you during this time. So I hope that you have already joined our challenge, right? It's at theparentingjunkie.com forward slash challenge. And I just want to let you know that it's coming to an end. In fact, it's ending today. I would love for you to just go in there and have a last look around. Make sure to catch up on the videos that you haven't seen yet and share it out with your friends. It's still going to be live for a few more days, but it's ending soon as we shift gears into welcoming everybody into present play. And the same goes for the Play Guru course. The Play Guru course is but one module of 12 that is inside the present play membership. And we've been making it available for free for everybody right now. And you can get that at theparentingjunkie.com slash playguru dash course but that too is coming down very soon and so if you'd like to watch through that and i know it will give you so much juicy you know insights into reclaiming independent play it's free at the moment and i really invite you to go and grab it one last time those are going to be coming down because we're shifting our gears into present play and welcoming everybody in in fact if you're listening to this episode or watching this video as it drops then it will be opening tomorrow. And I cannot wait to see you on the inside if you choose to join us. Now, our very first theme in present play is create haven. And that is all about setting up your five play zones, decluttering, organizing your home, all of the good stuff that's gonna get play skyrocketing for you over there. But I wanna make sure that whether or not you end up joining us in present play, and I really hope you do, that you get your hands on some of this material and start making some of these changes yourself because it will transform this lockdown for you and beyond into the next iteration of life as well. All right, so let me bring on our first guest of the day, Elizabeth, who is a present player and a mother of two. And she tells how she has reclaimed play and completely reprioritized the way that she sets up her home, what she does within it, especially so that she can support two very different styles of players that her children are. She has two kids, they're distinctly different temperaments. Let's hear Elizabeth's story. My name's Elizabeth. And um, I'm living in the Yukon now, outside of Whitehorse in the woods. 
with my family are two kids, uh, ages three and six, boy and a girl, and my partner and uh, his parents. We moved across country from East Coast to come and live with them in their beautiful big old house here in the woods. So the kids were pretty okay for playing, but they were still very dependent on me. Life was pretty good, but I was really looking for more support in how to strengthen their independent play muscle. So how to have them less needing me, less wanting me to play with them all the time and being able to play more on their own deeply and therapeutically and just for fun. My kids' clothes have never, ever been so organized and they stayed that way and the toys are visible and they get excited for boxes that are curated and things that come out and they, it's like fresh new and they, they have fun playing with things again. Um, so yeah, so I love that. I love learning about strewing. Strewing completely changed my life where you put, you know, toys out in a manner that you find kind of fun and you just let your children discover them and then they play with it how they in turn want to when they find it. It's like magic. It's, it's totally like magic. I'm just aware of things kind of differently. I don't interrupt my children when they play now. I, I understand the importance of, of, of what they're doing differently and why they're getting messy in the way that they are all of a sudden why they're running around and so active and crazy and instead of being like everybody be quiet I can't handle this I'm like they need to move they need to move what are we going to do these are my movement options okay and then it's strategy so this whole course the biggest thing is it's giving me tools and strategies instead of acting reactively as much I still act reactively but a way less now my mind and my heart is calmer and just goes into what can I implement? What do they need or what do I need or how can we both get what we both need right now? And it's working really well. I think something that's been really helpful for um, me is learning the different types of play that my children need and that they need to have really, ideally every day. It doesn't happen every day, um, but sometimes it does. And when it does, they are so much more fulfilled. Um, and the play, types of play that we were kind of missing in a little bit was messy play and um, also in movement. And since we've come to the Yukon, it's been a lot easier when it's warmer to get outside at least. And um, yeah, so now when the children, I have, I have issues with noise. I'll speak from my place. I can't stand it when my children are screaming and hollering or shrill sounds and all of that kind of thing. And before I would get, just get really reactive or just want to stop it stop, 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 stop. Everybody be quiet. I can't do this. I can't handle it. It was about me. Um, and now I'm recognizing they need to play. So they need to play. They need to run around. They need to move their bodies. They need to spin. Learning about children and their need to go upside down and spin. We have a bar. It's supposed to be for clothing in my son's room and it is not used for clothing. It is his bar for hanging upside down like a bat. And like he hangs upside down. He does flips. He does jumps. And my whole um, parenting with my eldest is he's been very active and he jumps off things and he flies off things and tumbles. And I was always afraid of him getting hurt. And that finally went away. And then I just didn't get it. And, but that's his thing. He needs to move. And now with my other, she's, she likes to go into deep, quiet, imaginary, teeny play. And so now that I know about the importance of their different worlds, I try and protect that or at least allow more of it for each of them. So for her, whenever I can, 
I try to um, make time where she's not going to get interrupted by her brother. He's got his own project that he wants to do, and she's got her own thing that she wants to do, and how to have those complement each other so they each get the different types of play that they want and need for their own happiness and development. Isn't that inspiring? I love how Elizabeth knew so much already, but she still realized that she has to continue her higher education as a parent and stay inspired, learn new strategies, learn new tools so that she can really show up as a CEO and leader of her family. Okay, but you might be thinking, look, that's great for Elizabeth. She lives out on the acreage. I live in a tiny apartment or I have a super clingy child or I work full time and I can't set this kind of stuff up. I hear you, so that's why I need to introduce you to Galina. I'm Galina, and I came from Russia, from Moscow, and now I live in New York City with my husband, Isaac, and two kids, uh, three and a half and uh, 10 months old. I had a one-year-old at that moment, and I was a little bit lost at how to be at this parenting stuff. I didn't want to mess up. I wasn't sure if I'm doing it right. Should I buy all these toys and all these things that, you know, they're telling you to buy? Should I put him in all these extracurriculum activities, even though he's one years old? Some of them say, oh, you start early. You have to do all these things, right? And uh, I was just kind of confused. I was overwhelmed with the mess of the toys because grandparents would buy toys and we just had, even though he was so small, but I was completely <laughs> overwhelmed. And the way I found Avital was actually, I was looking into minimalistic videos because I wanted to minimize because I felt so overwhelmed. And the first video that I found on YouTube was uh, the 10 toys that your child needs, you know, and I fell in love with that video because it spoke to me on so many levels. Then honestly, after that, I watched her videos like a marathon, like I binged all the videos of Parenting Junkie for probably a few weeks afterwards. And for me, it was a no-brainer that I wanted to join Present Play because um, everything that she talked about was resonating with me in a way that she normalized things. She didn't make you feel, even if you're doing it wrong, even if you don't know how to do it, uh, you know, you're not wrong. Or even if you want to do it a this way, it's okay. If you want to do it this way, it's okay too. Like you, you are allowed, you're a parent. In the end of the day, you know what is right for your child. I'm here for you to guide you. Uh, you can take my advice or not, but you know, in the end of the day, you do the work. You are your child's um, parent. And then I joined Present Play and something that I absolutely love is the zones. Even though I have a very small apartment and oftentimes we have uh, questions about, oh my God, how can you have all these zones in the small apartment? My apartment is a one bedroom junior. So it's a one bedroom and one small room where you can't even fit, uh, you know, like queen size bed. It's just a small room. So we were able to put all the zones into, most of them are in the living room. Okay, the play zone and the uh, messy zone. Uh, but the movement zone is something that I brag about and everyone who comes to our house are absolutely at awe and they can't believe it. All the children love it. It took me half a year to convince my husband because we do live in a co-op, which he wasn't sure if it would be okay to even install it, but he did install it in the small and the junior room. And we have several swings and not only 
my child loves it. Again, as I said, all the children who come, they love it. All the time we do FaceTime with anyone. He comes and he shows, oh my God, look at what I have. And he does play uh, on all these swings for 20, 30 minutes. And sometimes we can't really come out because we do live on the East Coast where cold weather is really predominant. So that allows uh, you know, him to burn his steam off. And the reason why present play helped me is because again, I would never in the wildest dream think about you know, having and swing in the apartment. And uh, the fact that other people who also had small apartments, who also weren't able to do it, or also were not able to convince their husband, they did it. And that was like such a ripple effect on me. I'm like, okay, so I want it. So I can do it. And then when he sees how amazing it is, it's also going to be an effect on other, you know, things that we put. And mess is on is another one because my husband hates mess. He cannot tolerate it. He just like cannot stand it. And he still, because he sees, oh, He's playing for over an hour and a half. Okay, I can deal with it. Okay, I'll do it. You know, so so that this little nuggets of seeing other people doing it and 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 we're doing it, and uh, you know the children playing independently. Uh, that was and actually recently I posted maybe not recently. Uh, that I wasn't sure if my child would play independently because he was clingy. And a lot of parents have this complaint. So when he was born and he was one, I didn't know anything about independent play. As I told you, I only knew attachment parenting. So, oh my God, you cry, I take you. You cry right away, right? And he would not leave me alone for a second. And the moment I joined present play, I started implementing all these things like, uh, you know, decluttering, strewing, allowing him to be on his own, uh, holding the boundary, you know, I'm here, I know you're there, I'm here, just play. So, and I wasn't sure if it's going to happen because it did take, I would say, close maybe to a year that he really learned, like one day I see and he just plays for 20 minutes and then 30 minutes and then one hour. And I was just shocked and amazed that I didn't know he can do it. I really wasn't even, I'm like, oh, it's all for other kids. So it's okay. Maybe with another kid, I'll start with the right foot and I'll do it right. You know, <laughs> uh, which is actually, she's 10 months old and I put her oftentimes in this like, and she has these little pockets of play of 10 minutes, 15 minutes, which my older never had. So I think I did start with the right foot with my second one, but even with my first one that I didn't start with the right foot and was always having him holding him he is now able to play for a long time, which initially I was like, oh my God, I can have my cup of tea and he's not, he's going to play right there and he's not even going to say, mom, mom, come. And I was just amazed. And even now, after it's been almost a year that he plays that way, I always get amazed and I and I take joy in it because I see how much he's learning while he's doing it in his head. He like he he narrates what he's doing, and I see how he processes some of the things. Like he would process a doctor's visit sometimes. He would go and play with doctors, and I see he processes that, or he processes reverse like parenting. Like he becomes the father, and he is able to say all these things to his children, you know, and this way he kind of comes out of it and his emotions are much more balanced and he doesn't have to tantrum uh, because of it, because he can process this through his own little play. And also like physical things, like physics, like he was doing yesterday, uh, beads and water. And I was seeing how he learned to 
to pour just enough water from a bigger cup to a smaller cup without spilling it. And I was looking at it and I was amazed because I'm like, oh my God, you're learning this whole concept without being taught in school of how to measure correctly. So that probably was the biggest, you know, takeaway for me. So guys, you see, Galina lives in really cold weather conditions. She can't always get out. Her child was very clingy after a very tight attachment parenting relationship. And she has another child and she works and she deals all of this in a small apartment where she didn't think that she could set up all her zones. And yet she has, like a boss. When we say, I can't do it, it won't work for me, my house is too small, my budget's too small, my child's too clingy, I don't know, I'm too busy. Those with all the love in the world and respect, I have to call them out, those are excuses because people make it work in so many different scenarios and it transforms their lives. Let's talk to another working mom who's rocking it like a boss. Here's Melissa. My name is Melissa Marfiorosa. I have two children. I have a, um, a seven-year-old daughter and I have a six-year-old. They're 20 months apart and my husband, he works um, home sometimes and he works lots of different places. And then my mom and my dad live with us. So that's kind of like other complications. Six people yeah. in a three bedroom. So like I was just not knowing how to organize my life um, in, in the middle of chaos. And I was just all these toys and I was like, I don't know how to organize all these things. I don't know what to do. I was scrolling through Facebook, like crying. <laughs> and it was an ad about like immersing your child in play. And I'm like, that's what I need. And what I didn't realize at the time was that, you know, I listened to the ad and I listened to the video and I saw like, oh yeah, that's how I want to organize all these things that I have. Um, and I bought it. And what I didn't know is that it was also all the parenting tools that I needed, um, that I, that, that in the midst of stress, right? Like this is how you can do all these things. Um, and like, you don't have to be everything at once, which, which was fantastic. Something I learned from present play is that it's really, really, really helpful to put to, to make sure that the structure of the space matches the intent, right? And that it's really understandable and easy for children to identify. Um, so that this is a space for tumbling and that this is a space for play and that this is where you can do messy area and that this, this is for this and that is for that. Since the coronavirus, my kids were out of school. So the first thing I did was make a desk space. <laughs> and I'm like, this is your school space. And your school space has all your school materials. And this is where the iPad is that you've never been able to use before. And, you know, this is your crayons and you've got your ruler and you've got your pen and you've got your binder and you've got your paper. Um, and like, this is where schoolwork is done. And there was, it didn't take away from their art area before. So all of their stuff still exists. Um, you know, they have a messy space that is the same as it was before and they have, you know, play spaces that the same as it was before, but it was really nice to be able to say like, okay, here's where you can do school and we're going to start at this time and we're going to have our recess and we're going to end at this time. And like, this is your place for school. Um, and it made it really easy for me to have my place for work and my husband's place for work and my mom's place for work. And we're all kind of in the same place 
all doing our work. (laughs) Um, And that really helped with at least the transition to homeschooling. Um, As far as like being home all the time, um, now uh, there's, you know, challenges with resistance or helped us to be able to say like, okay, um, let's go into, you know, present play and see what kind of challenges there are, you know, what are some things that they can do, um, that are away from play that I can set up and already have ready for them so that when they're done doing their work, they've got something that is drawing their attention, Um, and that way you can kind of structure their day where, you know, I've got to get some work done. I can't, you know, um, you know, deal with fighting and dealing, you know, with all the discord that they might have. And so it's just really easy to be like, okay, here, you're going to move on to this area. Now you're going to move on to this area now. Um, and just kind of treat it a little bit like a preschool, right? If you too have experienced this challenge in transitioning into homeschooling and working from home and managing perhaps a multi-generational family and how to flow throughout the day and feel novelty within your space, like yes, we're always home and always in the same four walls. However, there are different experiences to be had within that space. I really want you to take a leaf out of Melissa's book here. Finally, let me introduce you to Victoria, a stage manager over at the Disney Resort who works very hard and long hours and is often away from her son. However, Victoria has found the ways to be in touch, deeply in touch with her son through the ways that she caters to his play needs even when she's not home. Take a listen. Hi, I'm Victoria and I live in Southern California. I have one little baby boy and his name's Nash and he's about 21 months. And we are both in entertainment. So he's a musician and I'm a stage manager and we work at the Disneyland Resort here in Southern California. I think my son was around 10 months old when I joined Present Play and I didn't know how to create a space for him to play in. I had these gates everywhere and I just felt claustrophobic. I felt like everything just was like aesthetically wasn't pleasing to me as a mom. So I didn't even like being around it. And there was just a lot of stuff and I didn't really know how to curate the toys. I didn't know how to set them up in a way that was um, welcoming to him. I didn't understand anything about the different play zones or anything like that. And um, I discovered Avital. Um, I got the play guide, I think it was, that she sent out that talked about the movement zone and the messy zone. And I was just, I what, what drew me into it was just like, it was a very simple guide that I could follow to like set my home up and to make these small changes with stuff that I already had. It wasn't like I was going out and buying more stuff. Yes, slowly I started to maybe buy some like furniture pieces to store toys into differently. But for the most part, everything is stuff that I had. And I was able to redesign my space for my son to play in. And we got rid of the gates, these horrendous gates that I hated. And we just had this open space for him and we created the yes spaces. And it's really was a game changer. And I'm grateful that I found it when he was 10 months old, because at that time I was like, well, is this even relevant for a 10 month old baby, but it was. And as he's gotten older, it's, you know, he naturally kind of has been molded into this like independent play toddler. 
it's allowed me to parent from work by setting up this environment for him. It's allowed me to feel okay to leave the house because I'm like, okay, I've set it up for success. Like I've set up my, my caretakers for success in our household because I've created these safe environments for him that are geared towards him, you know, with his toys and everything that he needs. There's days where I leave the house at four, four thirty in the morning and I'm home. So I'm, I'm leaving the house before he wakes up and I don't get home until right at bedtime, which is like 7 PM. So I'm gone, you know, basically the whole day. So there's days where I'll get up early and I'll strew and I'll leave stuff for him in the bed in his playroom. And then I go, go to work and I'll like text, did he like it? Did he play with it? <laughs> and then they'll be like, yeah, he was like, ooh. And then he destroyed it, which is what he does, but it's okay. When you join the, the group, these are a lot of the basics that we're learning is how to declutter and create these spaces and, you know, let our kids play independently. And I'm very excited to kind of start over again in this new year because within a year, it's amazing how much you can acquire and you need to declutter again and how your child is growing. So you want to maybe create a different kind of space for them or reorganize their space to fit their needs now. So you guys, you too can reclaim play. You too can create five play zones in whatever home you have with whatever budget you have. This is doable stuff. I know how much you must be going through right now. I can only imagine the stress, the challenge, the grief that we're all touched by to one extent or another has not escaped you either. And I know that it is so easy to just Netflix and chill all day in our pajamas with a bottle of wine. I get the temptation, but I am calling you to use this time to step into your leadership role, your creative role, and to really kind of get your MBA in parenting, right? Get your training, make this your creative self actualizing self-growth realm, right? That you step into because I know, you know, some of us like me, I'd love to go to a silence retreat or go to a meditation center. That's not available right now. However, through the lens of parenting, I can have creativity. I can self-actualize. I can find fulfillment and I can grow even spiritually. And it starts with the lowest hanging simple fruit of just designing our five play zones in our home and watching the play flourish. So don't forget to check out the challenge and the play guru course before they come down. And I hope I get to welcome you a warm welcome into present play because that is where we take these things to the next level. Thanks for listening to the Parenting Junkie Show. If this was helpful for you, I would be so appreciative if you would subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Subscribing to the show means you'll get the bonus episodes that I only deliver here. And when you rate and review the show, it helps other parents find it. I'll be shouting out some of my favorite reviews in upcoming episodes and would love to spotlight you. And remember, keep on loving parenting and parenting from love. Namaste. Thank you.